This Fit Cookie Crumbles mini episode, Fueling the Long Run, is brought to you by Inside Tracker. Go to insidetracker.com slash fitcookie to get 25% off of your order. Welcome to today's episode of Fit Cookie Crumbles, where we dive into popular running and training topics, give you the down and dirty, (laughs) the short spiel on each of these topics so that you can apply them to your training. Now, if you are here because you're like, Holly, just tell me in the first 30 seconds, the, you know, black and white, easy details, summary, (laughs) spark notes version of fueling for the long run. Here's what I'll say. So basically, In summary, we want to be having 15 to 30 grams of carbohydrate every 40 to 50 minutes. We want to be having four to six ounces of water every 20 to 30 minutes. We want to have 400 to 800 milligrams of sodium per hour. And we want to have a vessel to carry all of this. And these are for runs that are 75 minutes or longer. Now, if you're here for the slightly longer version, I'm glad to see you sticking around. (laughs) So essentially, long runs um, are all relative. There's a lot of research that shows that typically the body starts um, working a bit differently and burning through glycogen faster and using fat for fuel as well in runs that are 60 minutes or longer, so about an hour or so or longer. And that's where research starts to recommend that we need to start fueling for runs an hour or longer. Now, From a practical standpoint, I know a lot of runners who go out for 60-minute runs multiple days a week, and they don't necessarily need to bring fuel with them on the run if it's an easy run, if their heart rate's pretty low, um, and if they're going to have food before and after, they'll probably be okay for the most part, Um, especially my females, especially when they're in the luteal phase. (laughs) They're really good at kind of the long and slow distance. Now, Once it is like, you know, over 60 minutes by at least 15 minutes where, you know, we're kind of calling this closer to more of a a long run that you would do on the weekends or a midweek long run. Um, So that's where I get that 75 minute marker from. This is where all of these recommendations I'll start talking about apply. So there are so many different ways to fuel the long run. But the gist of it, like I said, is that we need to think about carbohydrates. We need to think about um, hydration, which means water and electrolytes. And we just need to think about the timing intervals of how we want to fuel and what we're going to carry all of this stuff with. And that can be some of the part that's really intimidating for newer runners who are starting to run longer distances. So let me hopefully break this down for you in a way that's simple so that you aren't like, you know what, I'm just going to go do my 10 miler because I know I've done it unfueled before and I'll just get through it to oh, fueling my long run is going to bring me so much more energy. I'm going to perform better. And if I start training my gut now, it will be ready to go by race day. What I mean by training the gut is that our gut essentially, um, which I talked about in the last episode, the runner's trots dilemma, (laughs) um, is basically equipped to digest foods, but it does have to be trained to digest foods while running. Um, And some people are just more sensitive than others. So 
if you tend to have a really sensitive gut, it's important to start really, really small when fueling the long run. And some of the fuel recommendations I'll recommend um, may be better for you than others so that they're easier to digest for you. Um, for some of my extra sensitive folks, I'll even recommend taking like half of a serving. So taking like five to 10 grams of carbohydrate with a bit of water instead of the 15 to 20, 15 to 30 gram interval that I recommended earlier in the episode. So training the gut. So again, to summarize, when we're running, our blood is shunted to all of our muscles that are working really hard to oxygenate them. And it's not really at our gut. It's not around our gut. So that's one reason too, why you may never feel hungry on the run because there's no blood flow to your gut. It's all in your muscles. Um, so, you know, if you're not hungry on the run, if you're like, Holly, I really don't want to take this fuel right now. Like it doesn't sound good. I'm actually kind of full and I just feel like, no, I don't want to take it. That's totally normal to feel that way. This is the part of training that is not intuitive. <laughs> you need to practice and you need to hope that consistency and repetition and practice and habit will take over when the motivation or the logical sense isn't there. So if you need me to say that again, yes, you need to take the fuel, even if you're not hungry, especially that last gel in the last like 5, 10K of your marathon. Do not skip that one just because you think you're almost at the finish. I've been there. I've done that. The wall can still come at mile 24, let me tell you. And 2.2 miles can feel super long. And it doesn't have to if you just took the gel at mile 22. And if you would put that into practice in your training so that when you do take the gel, in a hard effort like that, your stomach doesn't re rebel against you and you don't end up in the porta potty. So how to do this? So essentially, there's many different options for fueling strategy. In order to get that like 15 to 30 ish gram of carbohydrate every 40 to 50 minutes, which basically means that you're going to meet the research recommendations of taking in 30 grams of carb to 60 grams of carb per hour for long runs that are under two hours, and then 60 to 90 grams of carb that's recommended for two, two and a half plus long run hours. Um, so, you know, you don't want to take 90 grams of carbohydrate in one, in one setting. Um, when you're running, you want to break it up because basically our bodies can absorb much more than 30 grams at a time when we're running. Because like I said, there's not much blood flow going to your gut when you're running. It's all in your extremities so that you can keep running, which is why too, some beginners, or even if you're just a beginner at fueling, you may find it easier to walk for like five seconds to take the fuel that you're wanting to take, because it'll allow some of the blood to go back to your gut so that you can digest it a little bit better rather than continuing to run. Or if you're like, no, I'm going after a time goal. I really don't want to walk. It kind of screws me up if I walk. You're welcome, of course, to practice, 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 and maybe take it in smaller increments that are easier for your gut to handle if that makes sense. But I will say that taking the five seconds to get the fuel in and digested well, that extra five, 10 seconds is going to be much less than if you skip it entirely and end up bonking. <laughs> Trust me. So essentially you can do gels, which are kind of like a syrupy or like even jelly-like consistency and texture. Um, things like goo, roctane, uh, hammer gel, Puma gel, Morton gel. There's a new Ucan product called Edge, um, Honey Stinger. You know, there's a lot of options off there. Mior, Spring Energy. Um, some of these are more natural, like food based. So, like Huma gel, Spring Energy, and Mior gel are some of my favorites if you're trying to kind of mimic 
more real food-like ingredients. Um, I will say these are acquired tastes. Some people absolutely love them. Some people can tolerate them just like anything else and others really don't like them. Um, And something too I like to kind of say is that whatever fuel you keep on you, um, if you're kind of keeping it on you and you're not like leaving it somewhere and picking it up, when you're running, it's going to heat up (laughs) quite a bit, um, especially in the summer. So if you're not into like super warm applesauce, for example, um, some of these may not be super appetizing to you kind of depends on what your priorities are. I won't say warm goo is much better. (laughs) But just something to consider. I like to keep mine in like the fridge or freezer, um, just to keep them cold if I know I'm having a hotter run the next day. Um, and then other things you can do, you can do chews like, um, like the cliff shop blocks, uh, honey stinger chews, good old sour patch kids, Swedish fish, Skittles. Um, there's a lot of different chew options out there, sport beans, um, that are great for this as well. And again, if you're getting a sports nutrition product, oftentimes it's going to be packaged in a serving that's going to meet that 15 to 30 gram need that I just talked about. So it's good to look at the nutrition label and see what a serving is so that you know what you're doing on the run to meet that need. So you don't do too much or too little, but if it's a sports nutrition product, it's usually packaged that way. Now, if it's not, if it's Sour Patch Kids, if it's Swedish Fish, that's where reading the label and seeing how many um, is going to equal, you know, that amount of carbs um, is important. And then maybe sectoring them out that way or just memorizing that number really well. Chewing stuff is awesome. I think a lot of people find this more appetizing, but just know too that chewing while running is an art and a practice and a science. (laughs) So it definitely helps to practice this. Um, And it's kind of the same thing. Stuff's going to get sticky and hot if it's warm outside or if you have it on you and it's it's warm enough, or it's going to be frozen in the winter. So that's something to keep in mind too. Now, you could also do some real food things like bananas or orange slices or dates with peanut butter applesauce pouches, raisins. Um, I've had people do this before. And I think this is really great for trail runners or ultra endurance athletes. We're doing a little bit more complex of a fuel source, incorporating a little bit of fat, not too much so that it poorly digests, but a little bit is going to be helpful just because you're going to be out there for way longer than two and a half hours, probably. Um, unless you're breaking world records, but (laughs) so sometimes that can be helpful, but typically I steer most runners away from real food sources actually, um, for, you know, PR like half and full marathon race efforts. I think there's plenty of sports nutrition products that have really simple, awesome ingredients that digest well enough, um, and that are cheap enough, um, rather than having to kind of cut up stuff and carry it on you just because it's kind of tedious and hard. And again, if you're keeping bananas on you and it's hot out, you're going to have like mushy warm bananas <laughs> for for your fueling efforts. And I find most runners don't find that appetizing in the middle of a race. So let's take a minute to thank our sponsor today, which is Inside Tracker. Now, if you're new here, <laughs> you probably know that I uh love Inside Tracker, even just listening to a few episodes of this show. Essentially, Inside Tracker I've used for such a long time on myself and also my clients at Fit Cookie Nutrition. And when you do what you love, like running, racing, enjoying the great outdoors, you want to do it for life. You want longevity in the sport and activities that you're doing. Inside Tracker can help. 
Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside you and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. What I love about Inside Tracker is they focus on what can you add to your life and your plate rather than what can you take away, which is how I practice as a dietitian and nutrition coach. So I appreciate their approach there as well. Then Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way, reaching your performance goals and living a longer, healthier life. So you can go do those things that you want to do, um, you know, even when you're older. <laughs> For a limited time, Fit Cookie Nutrition subscribers are going to get 25% off of the entire Inside Tracker store. So you can just head over to that link in the show notes, which is insidetracker.com slash fit cookie to get 20% off. Now let's get back to the episode. So essentially, uh, the next thing we want to think about is hydration. Um, and this is part of, you, you, this can be part of your carb intake too on the run. So sometimes these overlap. I find it a little bit easier when they don't overlap too much, when they're a little bit more separate. Um, and kind of likewise, sports nutrition fueling products that contain carbohydrates, all the examples I just talked about, like goose, Huma gels, et cetera. Um, sometimes they contain electrolytes, which is part of your hydration. So some of this might overlap a little bit, which is why it can be helpful to work with someone one-on-one -on -one to see what's going to be the most helpful for you. Or if you're savvy enough to kind of look at your fueling plan and do all this math on yourself, um, you know, basically you got the checklist at the beginning of what you need to look for. So for hydration, there um, are some carb-based, um, or I'm sorry, water-based carb sources. So things like um, like the Morton Energy Mix, the Generation You Can Energy Mix, which is one of my favorite products, Tailwind, um, and Gatorade products. So Hammer Gel, Roctane, there's a bunch of others too. So there's a couple things that are like powder form and you put them in water. So this is going to give you some of your fluid intake because you have to dissolve this powder in water. It's also going to give you some of your carbohydrate intake and some of your electrolyte intake. Now, again, reading labels is really helpful so that you can be savvy and understand how this all adds up. But other things that you want to think about for hydration, again, are using that checklist of about like four to six ounces of water. And if you think of one ounce being one gulp, um, you know, every 20 to 30 minutes so that you're covering about 12 to 24 ounces of water per hour. Again, we don't just want to stop at the hour mark and chug 24 ounces of water. That's not what we want to do. <laughs> um, and as this is a podcast and not individualized advice, everyone's sweat rate and everyone's hydration and, and fueling needs are a bit different. These are just general recommendations that I usually start with. Um, so for example, too, like you may find that you are a really salty sweater or you're just a heavy fluid sweater. You lose a lot of fluid. Um, so calculating your sweat rate with a professional can be helpful. And that's kind of when you basically weigh yourself without clothes on pre-run, and then you go for a run and then you weigh yourself after your run without clothes on. And based off of how much weight you lost and then kind of adding in or subtracting how much water you may have drank on the run, um, you can figure out your sweat rate to figure out your electrolyte loss that requires a bit more fancy 
data collection that most people don't have access to unless you work at like a university sports clinic or something like that. But the general recommendation is at least 400 to 800 milligrams of sodium per hour. Although some people do need much more than that. It just kind of depends on the person. If you find that you are covered in like white salt after most of your runs, or if your clothes are turning white, you might be a much heavier salter than the average Joe. Um, and you may need more sodium. So some products that I like for hydration are definitely stage hydration, which I did an episode with um, the team there a few weeks ago. If you want to learn more about them, they can kind of adjust your sodium intake in the product itself. So you can go from plain water to, you know, electrolyte at any concentration. Um, it has awesome ingredients, cool bottle uh, vessel to carry it with. That's a great product. You can use something like Scratch Labs or Liquid IV or Noon. These are all great products as well, where the concentration levels of various electrolytes vary, um, but those are kind of dietitian approved ones as well. I know Scratch has like a hyperfuel that's more salty. Um, Liquid IV tends to be on the on the saltier side as well, and Noon has their Podium series, which is awesome for female athletes. Um, that one of my last guests, Dr. Stacy Sims, actually helped design the mechanism for Noon's hydration, um, you know, spiel because she. Uh, found basically that females in certain phases of the month are saltier sweaters than other phases of the month. And this kind of was to reflect that as a product. So those are kind of some hydration examples too. So basically with all of this too, you want to figure out how to carry all of it. This is a step I think a lot of people forget because we go out for training runs, we can leave stuff like in the woods or at the house or you know, we get to races and there's different products at aid stations. You know, we can't really bring certain things into security with us. You know, some races don't allow hydration packs and things like that. So it is really important to kind of plan for what you're going to do on race day and really practice that as best you can during training so that you know what you're doing and you don't miss anything. My absolute favorite product that I carry my phone and a lot of my fueling or like keys or credit cards in is my Koala Clip. Um, that kind of hooks onto the sports bra and it stays put. You totally forget it's there and it's also easy to reach. Um, I also really like getting shorts or pants with pockets um, just so that you can kind of stuff goose or stuff extra things in there. I also love a good handheld water bottle, uh, stage hydration. It just came out with a new running water bottle, which is awesome. And you can buy several different holsters as well to carry it so that your hand doesn't get tired. If you go this method, I do recommend like switching what hand you're holding the water bottle with every mile or so, so that one shoulder doesn't get frozen. <laughs> um, I've seen a lot of runners have some upper body pains with that as well. Um, and again, you could also set up a table, practice taking things really quickly off the table if you want to practice using aid stations and look up the aid station that is going to be at your race and see what products they're using so that you can practice with them. Because you don't want to say, I'm going to rely on the aid station on race day, but then show up and not have ever tried what they're offering before. That's not that's not a recipe for success. Nothing new on race day. We want to have practiced our fueling strategy. And if you haven't heard of this tip already, when you are going past an aid station, you want to take the Dixie cup, you want to pinch it shut so you don't spill it all over yourself and lose precious water, and then drink it out of the corner of your mouth and the corner of what you pinched shut. So typically in about in a about an average Dixie cup um, in most aid stations, they can fit about three to five ounces. So that kind of goes too with um, that, you know, four to six ounce recommendation that I talked about every 20 to 30 minutes or so, which is typically 
how often you see aid stations in most big races too. So, you know, they've, they've thought this whole nutrition thing out and they're trying to help you. So don't ignore them if you're wanting to use them as part of your fueling plan. Now, I hope this episode was helpful for you guys. Um, it's a little bit longer than most of my mini episodes are, but I really wanted to, you know, kind of put in as much information for fueling the long run as possible, since I know a lot of people are starting to get excited about doing some in-person races again that are coming up this fall. I know I certainly have my eye on a couple, got to update some PRs that are a couple years old now. Um but I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Fit Cookie Crumbles mini series and mini episodes. Thanks again to Inside Tracker for sponsoring this episode. And until next time, happy running. And that's how the cookie crumbles. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 